All right, we'll continue our, our theme, the theme that we've been working on this week from Patanjali Yoga Sutras. And because our, our conversations this week have been uh, focused on elements of our practice that are really important. I mean, this is really useful uh, for us to come, become grounded in the awareness of what is happening and how we can engage consciously. And I remember Mr. Davis would encourage us again and again to be very practical. Um, it's all right to be, you know, to engage in philosophical speculation and conversation. And we can do this from time to time, but uh, mostly it's important for us to be practical and focused on the things that we can do, uh, not to be too you know, cerebral and out there but rather what is it that we can do? How can we change, make the changes in our mental field, in our um, emotional nature, in our physical being? What can we do to improve our life and to improve our uh, understanding and our awareness of what we really are? So I think it's useful to review uh, what we've been talking about and to review these practices and to come back to them again and again, uh, because each time we have another little, another insight, another facet reveals itself. And uh, I've been studying, studying the Yoga Sutras and, and um, re reviewing this and coming back to one version after another, one translation after another, and then sitting with these ideas for almost 50 years. And so, and it continues to uh, show me new things and reveal itself in new ways. And so, so I think it's really, uh, it really behooves us to pay attention to some of these very basic principles, very basic practices. And this is not rocket science. This does not require a great intellect. It doesn't require a, a tremendous amount of effort. It just requires the intention that is the will to continue with this and to allow it to unfold, allow it to reveal itself to us and allow it to help uh, assist in transforming us. So this process is very powerful and accessible. And on, on our part, all we need to do is to just say, okay, I'm, I'm signing up for this. I'm, I'm going to, you know, take the course in life 101 and become a master of living so that I can live freely, so that I can live effectively, so that I can be happy, healthy, effective, make a useful contribution, you know, all the things that we that we should be aspiring to, and not be limited, and not be fearful, and anxious, and worried, and not be sick, uh, you know, in ill health, and out of balance, and out of harmony. So, so it behooves us to kind of pay attention to some of these basic guidelines, and then to uh, incorporate whatever we can from wherever we are right now to incorporate and do the best we can to begin to practice, to begin to take action, to be able to move into um, this transformative discipline that will allow us to come to this place of being free and awake and aware. So, so we talked about, uh, initially, we talked about uh, Patanjali's first chapter, which was the chapter on samadhi. That is, the experience of samadhi is bringing together 
our awareness, experience our awareness with our essence of being, so that we rest in the experience, the direct experience of pure awareness. There's no thought, no concept, no idea, no subject. I am object having this experience. None of that. It just is this experience of being our essence. So this is samadhi. We come to this experience of beingness. And again, in the beginning of the first chapter of the Yoga Sutras, he, he, he defines yoga. He says yoga is when we are able to pacify, to restrain the fluctuations in the field of awareness. So when this process, when the fluctuations subside, when this slows down and we're no longer identified with the thinking, the feeling, when this state happens, this is yoga. So yoga is the restraining and the pacifying of the fluctuations in the field of awareness. And then he goes on in the second in the third sutra and says, uh, when this happens, when yoga is working, when we're effective at this, then we experience samadhi. So then we experience this oneness consciousness. So, and then he goes on and says, if there are fluctuations, if the, if thoughts start to bubble up in the field of awareness, then the self, the soul nature becomes identified with the thoughts, with the fluctuations. So we become enchanted once again. We're under the magical spell of whatever these thoughts, these ideas, these uh, emotions, these sensations. They they kind of take us over and we become identified with them. And in the process of becoming identified, we forget. We forget our true nature, our essence. So, so this is a uh, an awakening process of divine remembrance. So that's the, you know, that's his context in the whole first chapter on Samadhi. Uh, he talks and addresses the different ways of um, encouraging and supporting tranquility, tranquility of mind. And when the mind is tranquil, then it's very easy for the thoughts to subside. And then we move into this experience of Samadhi. And he talks about the, the stages of samadhi. We begin with a, an experience of oneness consciousness, but there is still an object that we are focused on that supports this. And then we move beyond that eventually to the place where there is no longer an object or a concept, a vikalpa, near vikalpa, no concept. We move into the state of pure awareness. So this is the progression that he talks about in the first chapter. And then in the second chapter, he goes on and, and basically he says, all right, well, if that's not working for you, if you're not experiencing this tranquility, if that's not happening, then we need to take some action. So now we talk about Kriya. Kriya, the, the, the word Kriya basically translates to action. So the actions we take in our yoga, Kriya yoga, is then defined at the beginning of the second chapter as uh, in intensive self-discipline, tapas, uh, self-study, swadhyaya, and um, letting go of the ego, the sensation, the feeling of being separate outside of God, Ishvara Pranidhana. So he, he gives us those those guidelines, and he says, that's Kriya Yoga. Kriya Yoga is this practice, 
intense self-discipline, um, regular study, study of the nature of the self, the soul nature, the nature of consciousness, and the experience of letting go of the sensation of being separate. And so basically these three uh, legs of the tripod, these three aspects of Kriya Yoga, are um, dealing with our actions, our feelings, and our thinking. So thinking, feeling, and acting is the direct aspects that we are relating to, that we are interacting with uh, when we're involved in our Kriya Yoga practice. So acting, the thinking, and the feeling. So the acting is the discipline. So we, we engage in disciplined actions, and these disciplined actions, then intentional actions, these allow us to become masters of masters of our attention, masters of our mental states, our states of consciousness, of our emotions, our emotional nature, of the senses, you know, the senses, urge, you have these urges, these sense urges that, that uh, lead us in one direction or another, this, our behaviors, what it is that we're doing, how we're acting, what it is that we're doing with our time and attention. And in the process, as we, as we do this, we become masters. We free up our mind and our consciousness, we free up from all these confining, restricting, limiting uh, aspects, um, subconscious, subliminal uh, aspects. They're like little, little applications, little programs that run in the background. And when the, you know, when the conditions are right, they become stimulated, they turn themselves on, become self-activated, and we find ourselves doing things that maybe are not useful or uh, addicted to certain behaviors or having strong aversions and being controlled. We're, we're literally being controlled. I remember I wrote a, uh, an essay that was published in the Truth Journal back in 1979, I think. And, uh, and, and I, it became a little collection of essays, actually, a little booklet called Letting Go. And, but this essay, I, I had this, uh, this vision, this, this inspiration. I was watching a Thanksgiving Day parade and uh, the big Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. And, and during this, they have these giant floats, these big, huge balloons that have a hundred you know, ropes that are attached to them with guys on the ground holding this big balloon, you know, this big creature as they walk down the parade route. And so here are these big giant things floating along. And I thought, you know, it's just like people. I mean, here we are, we have all these ropes that are, that are our desires, that are our attachments, that are these limitations that are dragging us down the parade route, dragging us through life. And we are attached. We're not free. We are, we are controlled by the things that we are, um, attached to and the things that we have an aversion to by these these karmas these uh, conditionings deep in our subconscious that are impelling us to do things and that are causing us to think in certain ways and react in certain ways and so all this is, can be clarified all this can we can we can purify our mind and our emotions our feeling nature and our actions with intention being intentional. And, and a lot of times we think about, you know, this process of waking up and this process of, of uh, engaging with Kriya Yoga and, you know, becoming disciplined. 
and, and it can be very easy to think about this kind of like going to school. You know, we go through the classroom and as we, you know, take the curriculum and as we work on it and work on it, we eventually we get the information kind of seeps down into the subconscious and we were able to to remember these ideas and even if we can even if we can't um, activate them and live from them all the time at least we can remember the information and occasionally when we're really in a critical condition we remember something that's useful and it helps us and and so we can see this, we, we can think about this kind of as a progression, you know, as, as a, a school process, but I don't think that's particularly useful. I think what's really happening here, that we are, we are engaged in a kind of a dance, and there, this dance is a dance of interaction with life, and so as we are um, engaging, as we are interested in moving with life and moving uh, in in harmony and rhythm, listening to you know what is going on around me and what are the um, you know what are the the seasons and what are the times and what is my you know what is my body asking me to do what is the the prana this life force that is expressing as me and is interacting with engaging with itself the prana of all the life and all the environment and all the individuals around me. So we are in this energy relationship, this energy uh, exchange, this energy process. And in it, we can see everything that we do as being an expression of energy, of prana moving through us. It's the, that's, that's the animating energy of life, the life force. But we also see that this, prana this expressive aspect of reality is the energy that animates that creates and animates everything else so we can look at our our life as really this dance of energy the our the prana that is moving through us is interacting with itself in these other forms and i remember learning to dance what what i you know the little dancing that i could do i remember learning to dance uh, when I was young and in school and and if you're not really paying attention, you know you step on your partner's toes or they step on your toes or you stumble or you lose your balance or you know it really requires that we have to be kind of listening and feeling where is our partner and what is the music, what is the rhythm of the music, and we kind of move into this experience where we are. Uh, experiencing the relationship between what's happening around us, listening to the, the the rhythm and the harmony. Are things moving quickly now, or are they nice and slow? You know what, what what's happening, so that we can move in a harmonious way with life. And so, so there are these natural rhythms, these natural balances that are happening. And if we're paying attention, if we're if we're seeing the balance and if we're paying attention to what is harmonious and what is working and what feels right inside and our and in our interaction around us then we we automatically become we're automatically led to deeper levels of awareness of how we're operating because in order to listen closely and to stay in harmony we have to see, you know, what I'm thinking right now, is this really harmonious? Does this serve 
the organisms, this serve the prana that is expressing through me, or is it creating disharmony? Am I stumbling? Am I, you know, feeling disconnected? Am I anxious and worried and fearful? So, so when we notice these emotions and these negative thoughts and these, you know, anxiety, when we notice these things, we can go, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I, this is not the way it's supposed to be. So I'm not hearing clearly the music. I'm not feeling the harmonious interaction with my partner, which is life, see, which is all of life. So, so if we start to think of, of our life as kind of a dance, as this interaction, and all we're trying to do here is to come back into harmony with life. So our discipline, our, our, our tapas, our, our self-discipline is simply allowing ourselves to be intentional about always being in harmony, to, to be intentional about always being respectful and responsive to what life is calling, you know, calling us to do. How this, this prana, this life force that is expressing as the physical body and as the anim and that animates it and is responsible for keeping everything working and is the, the juice, the force behind my thinking, all of this is an expression of prana. So we can ask ourselves, am I, am I supporting and nurturing the harmonious expression of life, of prana through this form interacting with the rest of life? So, so if, we, if we have kind of this context, if we have this kind of attitude, then it becomes easier for us to, to remain engaged in a conscious, mindful way. Our attention, our attention is the searchlight that directs our energy. This prana, this life force that is us, is directed by attention. So whatever it is that we put our attention on, however we flow our attention, we are flowing our prana, our life force. We are energizing that thing or that concept, that idea, or that uh, physical experience. We are energizing it with our attention. Energy follows attention. And so we can simply ask ourselves, how am I paying attention? What am I paying attention to? Am I paying attention? Am I feeding energy and creating more power around ideas that are fearful, anxious, worried? Am I feeding energy into and making more powerful ideas about how limited I am, how I'm not capable of doing these things? I'm, you know, incompetent, impotent. I don't have the power. You know, if I feed my energy and my awareness, my attention into these ideas, these concepts, then they become powerful and they become, they, they, they possess us. We are literally possessed by these uh, operating principles, these activities that we have empowered. And as they continue, we continue to empower them. And so, so part of our discipline is to say, I'm going to be very intentional about what I give power to. 
I'm going to be very intentional about what I give my energy, my attention to, because I know whatever I give energy and attention to will blossom. It will become more powerful. It will become stronger. So if I'm giving my attention to that which is useful, that which is positive, that which is supportive, life-enhancing, if I choose to give my attention to that, that becomes more powerful. That then possesses me. That then becomes part of my basic operating system. So we are changed. We change constantly um, as the result of how we are paying attention what we are doing, how we are thinking, and how we are feeling. So the second part of our Kriya Yoga was uh, Swadhyaya, study, but this is actually in order to, to change the story about what we are. In other words, we have a story, we have a, a concept, we have an idea, I am this, you know, I am a father and I am a son and I am a husband and I am a, an artist, a creator, and I am, you know, guy who rides motorcycles. I am all these things. The way we define ourselves, the story about ourselves, is where our energy, our prana goes. And this helps to define our sense uh, of being, you know. And so if we are able to change our story based on uh, understanding studying first studying uh from from introspection we we look inside and we go okay well th- this is happening i have these characteristics these attributes that are active right now and if i find the ones find some that are not useful then i can take those into my tapas into my discipline and start to make changes i can redirect the way i'm flowing my attention my awareness um but also we study and we look at what enlightened people, those individuals who we trust, who have uh, plumbed the depths of their own consciousness and awareness and experience, and they report to us. They say, this is what it's re- what's really going on. This is what it's really like. And so we can study, we can read these stories, and we can begin to flow our attention to those realities so if the, if I'm not experiencing and not feeling that my nature is pure consciousness, that I am the, the seer, the witness that is having this amazing adventure of a lifetime, if that's not my experience, if my experience is that I'm limited, that I have problems, that I suffer, that I feel, uh, you know, disempowered, impotent in the face of all the circumstances and events and craziness and chaos in the world. If if this is the way I feel, but I read, this is really an illusion. This is really a mistake in consciousness. This is, you know, we can solve this by waking up to this experience of what we really are. And there is a way to do that, to wake up. And that is to engage in these practices and to sit and allow ourselves to remember to meditate you know meditation is self-remembrance so we give ourselves some time every day to just sit down and and quiet down all the distractions quiet down all the the mental chaos that's going on and just learn to rest in a very peaceful quiet state and by doing that then then our soul nature, the essence of what we are, becomes self, 
revealed. It, it becomes self-evident. As we sit down and become peaceful and quiet, we begin to have the sensation, the experience of peace, of contentment, of, of this time when I'm sitting, uh, everything is okay. There's nothing I need to do. There's nowhere I need to go. But this moment, in this absolute uh, perfect moment right now, um, all is well. So, so I can, I can practice changing the story by being re-educated, by putting my attention on um, the ideals that I'm reading about, that I'm learning about, and by spending time sitting and experiencing, allowing myself to open up to what's really happening, learning to listen, to listen very closely, not to listen with the intellect, but to listen with the heart. We want to say the heart, but it's, it's really this essence of being. It's not the physical heart, although they say that the physical heart really is uh, the place where emotions are stored. And if we have negative emotions or, you know, upsets from the past, grief, trauma, these things, um, they can be released over time through our meditation practice and moving this energy, allowing this prana to move without impediment and slowly but surely it'll wash away some of these constrictions and limitations. So, so we, we practice this, uh, self-study the swadhyaya to change our story to change the way we feel about ourselves and about the world so here we are reframing that in this swadhyaya and then the, the the last part is surrender that is to let go to let go of all those ropes that are dragging us down the parade route and what are all those ropes the ropes they are based on this illusion this sense, sensation that we're separate. So now we put our attention, we flow our energy, our life force to wholeness, to the sensation, the experience that we are one with everything. That there is no separation, that we are not outside, that we live fully in God and God lives fully in us. So we can, and we can do this. So and in, in the beginning, we're using our imagination. We're using our, uh, we're directing our attention in this direction. But by directing our attention in this way, the reality of this begins to blossom and it begins to unfold from within. And we begin to move into the experience. So we go from the concept, the idea, into the actual realization, to the experience by just keeping our attention focused, by becoming devotional, by, by learning to, pay, to uh, place our trust and our faith and place our devotion into something larger than our limited self. And so, so it can be useful to have a teacher, a guru, you know, we're blessed to have Mr. Davis. Um, and the guru is is a blessing, is giving us uh, this wonderful information and sharing this consciousness. And so we can appreciate and have some uh, relationship devotions, put some attention and flow some energy, some life force to our guru. And we can uh, choose an aspect of, of manifesting reality in order to have a personal relationship. So 
Um, so we can think of Divine Mother, Heavenly Father. We can think of, um, you know, Lakshmi, the, 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 the goddess of benefits that brings us good fortune and, and showers good fortune and takes care of us. Um, we can, you know, we can think of any aspect of this expressive reality that allows us to have a personal relationship so that we can, we can get outside of our limited self, stop feeling like we're separate, like we're outside, but rather to, to begin to experience ourselves as part of this larger reality. So that can be extremely useful for us. So surrendering the sense of separation developing devotion and reminding ourselves, remembering that everything is an exchange of energy. Everything is an exchange of energy. This is all prana dancing. And so we can be, we can be mindful of that. And then uh, the last session we talked about in some depth about what are the obstacles, what stands in the way. So Patanjali says we're practicing this Kriya Yoga, these this action yoga, these active participation. We're practicing this in order to be able to experience samadhi, in order to come into the experience of, of what we are, of, you know, to feel this and to experience this. And we're we're practicing this to remove the obstacles, to remove the kleshas, the obstructions, the things that are standing in the way of our unlimited perfect beautiful life so and the and he enumerates these these kleshas these obstacles these restrictions and they are uh first avidya and remember vidya vidya is knowledge it's the same root word as vision wisdom these all come from vidya so this is wisdom knowledge to see clearly avidya is the opposite so avidya is to not know, to not see clearly, to misapprehend, to misperceive. And so this ignorance, this misperception is at the root, is the core of all the problems, all the obstacles. Everything is based on this misperception of what's really going on around here. So we missed the point, see. And he says, you know, this this misperception takes the place of thinking things are permanent that are really impermanent. So, so, and you know, we, we look at the planet, planet Earth. It's permanent. It's here forever. Not really. You know, it's here for a very, very long time, but it will eventually cease to be. It will crash into the sun. Well, the sun's permanent. You know, that's always there. We can count on the sun. Well, not really. Uh, you know, we look at the cosmologists and they say, well, no, the sun's going to burn out. You know, it's a big, big solar furnace up there, but eventually the solar furnace will run out of fuel and it will turn into a cinder. Um, you know, and so, so the things that we look at that we think are permanent are impermanent. And at the same time, things that are, that, uh, that are permanent, we perceive those as being impermanent, as changing. So, so, uh, and, he, and he says, you know, many different conditions that he describes that are where we are missing the point. We are not seeing accurately what is. We are misapprehending, misperceiving. And so this is, uh, this is one big obstacle. 
And then that supports the next, which is ego, the sense of separation. The idea, the feeling that I am separate is based on this misapprehension, misperception of ourself and our relationship with this larger reality. So ego, the sense of separation, another big challenge, another big um, obstacle in our, on our path, on our awakening path. And then the next is um, attachment. So here we are um, wanting to try to recreate experiences that we have uh, experienced before that are pleasurable. We want to recreate that pleasure or we want to recreate and or create the pleasure that we can imagine. So we can become attached to ideas about things that, you know, that, that don't even have a basis in reality. We can imagine things and really get kind of hooked on them. Like I'm attached to uh, to uh, having a Tesla. I think having a nice all-electric, really cool little sports car would be, you know, amazing. So I have this imagining, this idea of how cool that would be. And, you know, when I look at Teslas going up and down the road, I've kind of got antennas out there. And, and I see them here and there. And I think, wow, you know, that would really be, really be I- ideal to have that that little all electric car be doing something nice for the planet. And it's really basically pretty cool. And I, but I realize I was, I was thinking about this last month. I realized that I have no idea what it's like to drive a Tesla. I have no, I've never been in a Tesla. It could be uncomfortable. It could be, you know, it could really not suit my purposes at all, but the idea is really nice. So I have this attachment to something that I have never experienced. Isn't that interesting? So, so we can look at attachments, you know, the ideas that we have about things that will bring us pleasure, that we think will bring us pleasure, or that we try to recreate pleasure from the past, and this becomes a hook. We become addicted, you know, if it's really, you know, a, really a big attachment. If we're putting a lot of prana, a lot of attention into these things, they can really, you know, control us. They possess us. Literally, we're possessed. You know, we have have to get the exorcist out to to uh, to balance and remove this possession of this addiction or this strong attachment. It controls us. Possession. In the same way, uh, aversion. So now we're pushing away. We have an aversion. We want to avoid pain or avoid uh, what we imagine to be painful. And and so in this way, we are controlled. We are possessed. And, you know, when things uh, emerge that we have an aversion to, then we can become very defensive and angry and upset. This can really, you know, push our emotional buttons and, and so we can find ourselves reacting, responding uh, very strongly and being controlled by this possession of aversion, you know. So uh, I have to be very careful. I have to be very careful because there are some politicians that I, I have, tend to have this app in the background that has a very strong aversion to what they say and what they do. And so I have to continually be reminding myself that this is another expression of prana. This is another divine spiritual being that is 
dancing with life, just like I'm dancing with life, doing the best they can to support themselves and, you know, move forward. And even though I don't agree with what's happening, I have to be careful not to allow what's happening to control me, to be drawn into the drama, to be, to allow this enchantment to take over and to possess me. And so instead, I'm constantly reminding myself, I'm constantly um, coming back to this awareness that this is all this beautiful dance, this beautiful movie, you know, that we're all, you know, uh, shuffling around here and we are exchanging energy and, and we can do this mindfully, consciously, uh, effectively, not allow the chaos and the drama and the circumstances, events to control us. So we can we can let go of the aversions. We can let go of the attachments. Uh, we can have preferences. It's all right, you know. Of course, we we do, and that's there's no problem with that. But it's when they start to control, when they start to to push us around, and we start to be limited by them, then it's a problem. Then we have to to address that. And then the the final affliction that he talks about is uh, the fear of death. And the fear of death, he says, is so strong, it's so hardwired into the system that even the wise, even the rishis, even the, you know, the advanced spiritual beings still have this tendency to have this fear of death. So this is, you know, this is a uh, understandable and a deep connection. And we can move past that too. See, we can, we can come into this awareness that I am, you know, the physical body has a sell-by date and it's tattooed back here someplace where I can't see it. So, but eventually this will, this body will wear out and uh, it won't be useful anymore and, and we'll move on to something else. So we know that, you know, death is, it comes with the, with life. And in, in a certain sense, it gives life a little bit more of spice, you know, it gives us a little more uh, juice because we know it's going to be over. So we can really, enjoy and pay attention to what we have while we have it and those that uh that talk about these things that talk about this say that uh having a having a birth having a life on the planet you know having a life form and having a body uh, is really a blessing we're able to um to uh, develop and to move through states of consciousness and to awaken more easily with this body than without one and if you think about dreams, you know, you go into the dream state, which is said to be a little bit like what the astral world might be. And here we have no grounding. There's no stability. Things just come up and happen and change instantly from one place to another uh, in our dreams. You know, it's like this magical reality, but it's very unstable. And so, so the enlightened ones tell us that it's a lot easier to do our practice and to wake up when we have this body and some stability and some structure than to try to make sense out of what's happening in this total chaos of dream state of the astral world. So, so we can, uh, you know, we can pay attention to this and we can be grounded in this, but we can all the while be aware that this is a temporary tour of duty and that it will pass and that we will pass and, and not to be living in anxiety and fear about that 
that eventuality when it comes about. So I, you know, Roy would tell us not to be in a hurry. <laughs> we should, we should uh, take care of ourselves and uh, engage and, and live as long and as healthily as we can, so that we can wake up fully and we can participate fully. But then, when the time comes to make our transition, then we should, you know, do that and do that harmoniously, without upset, without anxiety, and be ready for it. So we can be preparing for that all the time and not allow fear of death. And this also extends to our fear of kind of, uh, you know, our fear of separation. So, so we have a fear that people are going to think badly of us. This is related to our fear of death. You know, we, we have a fear that we're going to get kicked off the team, that we're not going to be invited to the party. You know, these are all related to this fear of death, a set fear of separation. And so we can uh, address this, look at this, and come to the ter- come to terms with uh, the awareness, the experience that we are spiritual beings, that we are immortal, that we didn't begin with this lifetime, and we don't certainly don't end when this physical body is no longer useful for us, but that we are immortal spiritual beings. And as such, there's nothing to fear. And that we are participating in this life, which is given to us. It's a gift. We're blessed with the opportunity to be alive. And so so we can uh, appreciate this. We can live in, uh, in the awareness of this gift, this blessing that life is. And that because we are, because it's a gift for us, because the universe has blossomed, has expressed as us, and its nature as life, prana's nature, is to constantly be expanding and to be growing and to be taking care of itself. So this is the nature of life. So we are automatically and naturally uh, being led to being supported and nurtured and taken care of all the time. So we have nothing, there's nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. We have been brought to where we are right now, and we will continue to be brought to be led to ever new unfoldments of life and experience. And it's really quite a a wondrous, magical, amazing experience, you know, if we really, we're really paying attention, if we're really you know, seeing the awesome reality that life is and being able to uh, appreciate that and to to engage fully with it as much as possible. So, and then, you know, finally, um, Patanjali goes on and he gives us some suggestions, some ways of helping to uh, turn down the volume to, to ameliorate these uh, obstacles, these obstructions, these kleshas, and uh, he comes back and repeats again, Kriya Yoga, you know, intensive self-discipline, intentional self-discipline and intensive um, to be, you know, mastering our actions, deciding what we do, deciding how we do it, setting up a routine for ourselves. Every day we should have a program, we should have a, a discipline, a routine that we go through that is supporting our life and supporting our prana, our energy. So we, this is part of our tapas, part of our intentional self-discipline. So we get up in the morning. Ideally, we get up in the morning early. We sit, we meditate. 
Um, we, we allow ourselves to have this experience of being, and then we engage consciously. You know, we have a breakfast that's healthy and nourishing, and look for food that's uh, nutritious, that doesn't require a lot of extra energy. It doesn't take energy away from us, but contributes energy. How do we know what that food is? We listen. It's not the same for everybody. There's not, you know, one size does not fit all in this world. So we have to listen. We have to be quiet and ask ourselves, okay, life force, prana, is, is what I'm serving you now, serving our purposes. Is this creating uh, the energy and the lightness and my ability to continue to move forward? Or is this heavy and inertial and tamas? You know, we have to listen. We have to listen to what we're putting into our body and our body's response to this. And in this way, we find the things that are really supportive, that, that are good. You know, that the food we take should be tasty and nutritious and, you know, it should look good. It should taste good and it should feel good you know, all the way. So the only way we know what this is, is by paying attention by putting our awareness, our prana, our life force on what's happening in the body and listening to that and then adjusting, making whatever adjustments, whatever redirection that we need to take in order to bring this into total harmony. So we're dancing with our food. We're dancing with our routine during our day. We're dancing with life in all these myriad ways in order to really come into harmony really come into this place where we are peaceful and content and feeling really good about our life and about what we're doing and we can do that so this is our this is our kriya yoga so we've we've uh, uh, had an opportunity to to look at this and to, to look at this again and to look at this you know several different aspects and different ways and hopefully that's been useful for us this week um, next week, we'll continue with the, the last part of the second chapter, which is the, the Ashtanga, the eight limbs of yoga that Patanjali lines out and gives us more guidance, more information about how we can bring our life to be in harmony, to be in harmony with this larger reality and to live literally free, unlimited to experience moksha, liberation of consciousness, full liberation. So we'll be talking about that more and discussing that uh, in next week's retreat. So it's and it's helpful for us to go back and to you know revisit, 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 and be reminded. And um, and it's, and slowly but surely we find that transition, you know, transformation is taking place. So so that's good. All right. So uh, there's no uh, no more questions. Um, that's good. Uh, we have plenty to think about and to work on and to practice with. And uh, and we'll continue on next week uh, with our next program. And till then, dance with your prana. Be joyful. This is your life, you know. <laughs> so namaste.